Hey Islanders and welcome to episode 4 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I interview a reporter and photographer for the Stanwood Camino News and more recently, a pilot. Please welcome Evan Caldwell. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice, and today I'm here with uh, a reporter, photographer uh, for the Stanwood Camino News, and recently a pilot. Please Mm -hmm. welcome Evan Caldwell to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So I've been really excited to have you on the podcast because uh, you get the inside scoop of pretty much everything that's going on on the island. Um, And so we'll get into some of that. But tell us just a little bit about uh, yourself. Um, Well, I am 36 years old. Uh, Grew up in Port Angeles, Washington, uh, and then went to school over at WSU uh, in Pullman. Go Cougs. Yes, exactly. Um, and traveled around the state doing internships at different newspapers. Uh, I've always been into newspapers. Did the uh, you know high school newspaper route and then worked at um, the Peninsula Daily News in Port Angeles, the Walla Walla Union Bulletin in Walla Walla. Uh, did a stint at the Everett Herald uh, and then the Spokesman Review and the Tri-City Herald before landing a full-time job in Longview, Washington at the, um, uh, the Daily News down there. Okay, so, okay, I guess I didn't realize. So your whole history has been within news reporting. Yes, yes. um, I I was no good at math, and I couldn't do uh, much else, and I'm not a strong guy, so I couldn't lift a whole bunch of things. So it kind of left me with, you know, writing, and it worked out. Very cool. So for the newspaper, so starting back, like, in high school then, um, what was that, like, what were you doing with them? Well, I got involved in the newspaper there because uh, there were a whole bunch of pretty girls in the newspaper. (laughs) And I was like, well, that seems like a good spot to start. And I actually ended up falling in love with, like, the writing and the photography and the work. Um, And then I ended up uh, dating my future wife, who did not work in the newspaper at all. So the original plan did not work out. But (laughs) the end goal seemed to work out just fine. Okay. So you started there, and then... Take us through kind of your career then. So you went from there, and then you went on to which one? Yeah, uh, and then after high school, I went to college, <laughs> and I chose WSU because they uh, had an independent newspaper there that paid me about $25, $30 per story versus a class like at Western where you have to work up to and you eventually get to be in the newspaper class for one semester, let's say. And I had talked to different newspapers before going to college about what they wanted to have for me in order to hire me. And they said lots and lots of clips. And so I was like, well, all right, we're going to WSU. And so I made money, I got clips, and then that helped me get internships. Those internships got me more clips. And then when it was all said and done, I had a couple of job offers and took them. And that was before newspapers kind of had to their, you know, big dive. So I lucked out that way. Uh, so with the foot in the door, I was off and running. Okay, so so when you were at WSU, what uh, what's the actual degree that you were... Working towards that? Uh, it's communications with an emphasis in journalism, I think is what it is. Uh, and then I've got a fine arts minor. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so that comes into play. Uh, b- because I, I design the paper as well, so that's kind of an art form. Okay. Um, and then the photography, also kind of an art form. 
So that, that paid off that way. I say paid off in air quotes because, you know, we don't make a ton of money in the newspaper industry. So you kind of do it out of a, out of a, you know, love of the job. Yeah. Well, I know that, um, you know, communications back when I went to college, uh, the, uh, I was in engineering. And so there was a lot of people in communications that they just took that degree because they were like, well, I don't know what else to do. Communication sounds useful, I guess. That was definitely common. That was okay. definitely common. It was, so uh, to put it in perspective, it was like on the first day of the newspaper of the semester, you had about 50 people show up going like, I want to be, I'm a communications major and I want to be in the newspaper. Then you walk them through what you're actually supposed to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. This is what you're going to be sent out to do. This is what you get paid. This is what we expect of you. And the next day, there's like nine people that show up. So... Yes, there's a bunch of people that are doing it and just want to, you know, an easy way through. And, you know, and for me, you know, I, I just thought I'd be working for ESPN right out of the gate. I wanted to be in sports. And then at WSU, they kind of taught me the, the ropes for news. And I <clears> fell in love with news. And I did a lot of news and business reporting uh, for most of my career. And I actually didn't start doing sports really heavily until coming here to Stanwood Camino. Okay. Very cool. So then, <clears throat> so... You went there, and then what are some of the... You mentioned some of the internships before. Yeah. Um, What were those like? Uh, When I was at the Everett Herald, I worked under the business... I was a business reporting intern, and I worked under Mike Benbow, um, who I think still lives around here on the Tulalip side. A great guy. Wonderful guy. Taught me a whole bunch of stuff about business reporting. That came in handy a lot later. Um, And then two other guys, one covered the tech industry, and another one covered uh, Boeing. And so it was really fun seeing like specialized reporting versus just covering, you know, a city council meeting or, a, or, or, you know, anything else that's just kind of crops up breaking news style. This was actually, you know, you got to look at trends and numbers and details. And the good part about business reporting is a lot of business owners, you know, are excited to talk to you. When you corner a politician, they're <laughs> usually really tight lipped. And so it's, it's more fun. It's just, it's just really, it's engaging. They have a, they obviously are in business because they have a passion about it. So they're very passionate when they speak to you, and it's you know contagious. And then you get to try and capture that passion in a story, and that's a good challenge. It's fun. Yeah. So what was your? Uh, I don't know how uh, newspaper disclosure stuff work, but mm-hmm. what was your kind of favorite business that you got to interview during that time? Ooh, I don't know. That was a while ago. For one, that was like oh two or oh three. Okay. Um, I don't know. What was fun? Um, I actually, that might've been the funnest one was a stupid, dumb little, um, uh, story about why paper shredders are important. It was back in the day when privacy was, was not as big of a concern as today. Um, and I remember it was talking to people about, you know, the importance of guarding your privacy and the different things and what like different paper shredders actually have different purposes. And I remember that we worked with the designer. This is my art background coming in there. It was the story was printed on a sheet of paper and the paper was going through a shredder. And so you could kind of see it on the newspaper. And that was kind of a, a new thing. I thought it was cool. It was a cool design. So that sticks with me. Yeah. That sounds like a, a neat project to work on. Um, okay, so you did some internships, and then you finally got a full-time job. Yes, in in Longview, Longview Kelso, um, down there, where we were for about 10 years, from like 05 to about 15. Uh, we lived down there, and uh, I, I worked in the newspaper. My wife was a teacher, and I started as a business reporter, and then I worked my way to a, a copy editor, so the person who designs the page and edits people's copy, and then the assistant managing editor, so you kind of overseeing production of the newspaper. Um, so I was in charge of the sports department and the copy desk and the press and pre-press. And so you're managing a lot of people at that point 
working from about 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. every day. Um, so that was, that was, you know, it was fun. It was a good challenge. And I enjoyed it. Uh, it was, a, you know, a daily paper that was still booming. The Longview area is very passionate about their local news. It was filled with lots of local copy. Uh, the people that worked there were very passionate. And I, they allowed me to do a lot of fun stories when I wrote stories there. Uh, I, you know, got to ride in a helicopter and tour warehouser lands. I hiked at, hiking out to mudslides and to tops of mountains, uh, salmon fishing across the, the Columbia Bar. Uh, you know, wading through cranberry bogs. You know, that's that's the the joy of, of this job is that you can be out there doing anything at any time. You're not stuck behind a desk. Yeah. So you you got you work. Did you work your way up into like becoming the manager of that area, or was that kind of what you were brought in for? Yeah. Um, the uh, I was brought in. I was originally hired as a reporter, but then you know opportunities present themselves, and you go and do I want to take the step up and I, I did, uh, it was more, you know, more pay and the hours fit our family's schedule. Cause I could work kind of later and my wife worked in the day and then that cuts down on childcare costs. So yep. it all kind of, it all kind of worked out. But when my wife got a job up here and brought us up to this area, I was more than happy to say goodbye to the 12 hour, uh, five day a week work weeks and, uh, and kind of take a break. Yeah. So this is kind of over that, that period of time that you were starting your career and then getting to this point, about what year did you really feel like, oh, the newspapers, like there's some stuff changing and this is like, it's very obvious that this yeah. is. That's, I mean, that was pretty obvious uh, probably about the time the start of the recession, 07, 08. Um, and at least to me, and I, at that point, I was not in charge of anything, so I couldn't make any decisions. But like to me, what newspapers had was, especially local newspapers had, was a monopoly on local news. And so when you when you go to a business and you you know and a business has a monopoly in a certain area, and you don't take advantage of it, you know you're like you're not really good at business. Like if you're handed a monopoly and you're just kind of you know free reign to make some money there. But a lot of newspapers decided to not capitalize on that and still kind of spit out state and wire news that more and more people at the time could find on their phones and already knew the day, you know, before a paper came out. But what they didn't know was how the local, you know, uh, ribbon cutting the local chamber, the, how the local football team did, you know, that was all local stuff, but that was all the stuff the newspapers at the time were starting to cut. They should have, in my opinion, like doubled down on all local, got rid of all the wire state you know, news and just, right. just gone all in on all local. Um, because that's the stuff that nobody can find anywhere else. And, at, the t- at that time, people were kind of hunkering down in the recession time and, and trying to, you know, stay within their communities. And if they were to represent their communities more, I think the newspaper would be more valued, um, which is one thing I like about the uh, Stan McCamano papers. Like, we're almost all local. I mean, that's what a lot of weeklies are in general anyway. But um, I think that's a recipe for success around here. I mean, nobody's going to look at the Stan McCamano news to try and get Mariners updates. <laughs> right. So... Right. Yeah, everyone's watching the play-by-play, so mm-hmm. they get that right away. All right, so then <clears throat> what was that like during that time for, I mean, even through now, but, like, what what made you decide, okay, I'm not going to do a pivot here. I want to stay in this field. Yeah. What kind of brought you to that decision? Well, one thing, I, I mean, I've always liked a lot of different aspects of the of a newspaper. Like, you know, I, I could be in the press room running the press. I think that would be fun. Um, I, the only thing I really don't think I could do is go out there and sell ads. Uh, that takes a different type of personality than mine. But um, the people that survived in the newspaper industry were the people that could do multiple different things. And so there were people that were just 
you know, they could just write editorials or columns or something, and they couldn't do anything else. And those are the people that kind of worked their way out of the out of the industry. It was the people that could cover sports and news and business and tweet and upload stuff to the website and, you know, help design a paper or proof some copy. Those are the people that they kept on because if, you know, the business is going down, they're going to keep people that are have more value. And so, lucky for me, I like doing all those different little things. <laughs> so I had no problem with it. But some people, you know, obviously were upset and didn't like the industry and couldn't do all those different things and kind of, you know, fell, fell by the wayside and the attrition kind of took hold. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like a lot of other fields, especially in the like, um, I don't know, engineering, web design, a lot of these different fields are going more specialized. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that some fields are actually becoming more generalized as mm -hmm. far as the personnel involved. Yep. Yep. You got to be more of a jack of all trades if you're going to survive in, in journalism these days. Right. Right. Back, well, in the, back in the day, they called it backpack journalism, where you had to have all the things in your backpack, a camera, a laptop, all that stuff that you would need like now it's just in your pocket it's the phone <laughs> like i can i can tweet i can send stories i can update i can email i can take photos you know so same concept but <laughs> it's still hard for some people a lot smaller package yeah yeah okay so then you finally moved here then mm -hmm. um and did you have a job lined up nope. when you moved okay nope i was gonna be a stay-at-home dad um, and my wife got a job in the arlington school district as an assistant principal there and we originally looked for homes all around arlington um, and there were just none available, not to rent, not to buy, nothing, not even a storage unit, not even a storage unit had space to put our stuff. Um, and so, you know, you start expanding your scope of how far she wants to drive to work. Um, and then we toured with our realtor, I think 30 different homes. And then we finally had a couple out here on the Island, some that were out of our price range. And then we found home that was perfect right in our price range and, uh, scooped it up right, right then. And we've been happy ever since. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, just from talking to other people, it does seem like Camino's and it's never the destination of, or rarely is it the destination of people that are moving here. Yeah. They're usually working somewhere else and they've looked in that area and either like if it's an Everett or something like that, like prices are too high, they don't want to live in the city, mm -hmm. um, and then they just happen to show up on Camino and they're like, Oh, yeah, this is where I want to be. Yeah, and if I had known that even before going in, like we would have looked here first because this fits our lifestyle more than anything in Arlington could have. And we've, you know, hung out there and know people there and everything. It's definitely, it doesn't kind of fit us. Knowing that going in, we would have been out here in a heartbeat yeah. from the get-go. But then, you know, I, um, it was a couple months after moving here that I uh, swung by the newspaper, sent him an email or something, just said, like, hey, I'm in the area. If you ever need anybody to write anything or something, you know, I'm available, you know, it's even as pro bono just to keep me busy because I was a stay-at-home dad. I had a lot of time on my hand, kind of bored. Um, they sent back saying, uh, like, no, not this time. Thanks. Don't need you. Like, That's totally fine. I, I get it. It's a small weekly paper. I 100% understand. And then it was uh, during a football game, uh, the current sports reporter, uh, like, quit. I don't know the circumstances before it, but the the next week uh, they called and said, "Hey, can you can you cover some football games for us and like be a like a part time uh, uh, sports reporter for us?" And I was like, "Sure, Cause that fit our schedule because you know I could wait for my wife to come home and then I could go out to the the sporting events." And I did that for like two years, and then when my youngest started kindergarten, then I could then they brought me on kind of more full time, and I've been there ever since. All right. So when you moved here, um, how many kids do you guys have and, and what were their ages? Two boys. Um, 
they're eleven and six now. Okay. So I think there were two and whatever <laughs> seven. Okay. I don't know. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were you were occupied, but not not full time. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then we spent my youngest and I, while my oldest was in school, like you know, we spent our days exploring the island, which was not a bad way to go. Yeah. So we had fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, so. Okay, so then in all that exploring, did you find uh, special places on the island that were like, um, that you guys are kind of your go-to now? And Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of different places uh, here on the island. Um, we really like exploring that new uh, Barnum Point area, uh, but at the time that wasn't a thing. Uh, Iverson's fun for being a sandy spot. Uh, the the north side of the island, at Utslady Bay, there's the um, uh, boat launch. Mm-hmm. area there and you could tell that some people probably use that as a party area because down on the beach there's lots of nice sea glass the boys like to collect all the sea glass for their mom and people have obviously partied and thrown their, their bottles on there which is you know whatever it happens but the re- end result is there's a whole bunch of this really cool sea glass <laughs> so the kids call it the sea glass beach they always like to go there and try and find some good pieces for mom very cool all right um Okay, so you've been you've been with the Stanwood Commando News for quite a while, and you do you you write stories on kind of any level, right? I'm all over the place, like a true weekly uh, weekly newspaper reporter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so since being in this area uh, and reporting in this area, have you noticed some like trends or issues um, specifically around the Stanwood Commando area? Ah, uh, growth is probably the biggest trend right now. Um, and it's interesting because there's, it's, I don't, I don't really know how to, uh, how to kind of describe it in a story, but there's a, there's some friction going on with people that like it being a kind of small town area, but at the same time, there's a group of people who moved here, uh, and are part of this growth and kind of want some of the amenities that come with it. And then there's another factor that just you, the governments have to, by law, uh, kind of compensate for this growth through planning and other stuff until so they've got to like look at their zoning and look at their transportation issues and all that stuff. And then that kind of compounds the growth. And there's people that have lived here for a long time ago, you know, I'm not liking what I'm seeing here. I, but, and so how do you kind of reconcile all these factors coming in here? And it's going to be a very interesting uh, debate coming up here. I'm not saying one way is right or one way is wrong. Um, people have opinions on all the different growth that's coming in here. I think they... I think people want to have kind of a say, but no, there is no city official that just does a, you know, like you can move here, you can't move here, or, you know, this business can move here and this business can't move here. It's, it's you know, if it's zoned for it and they f- fill all the permits, you know, a business in our, our residential area can come here. Um, so growth is going to happen. It's kind of how you manage that and then what kind of amenities you want to come with that. It's, there's a lot of questions that are going to face some of these leaders coming up here soon. They're going to shape the future of the Stanwood Camino area for years to come. I mean, you look back at 10 years ago, um, some of the economic indicators and they, you know, they were relatively flat and then now they're kind of, they're going up. Uh, there's one myth out there right now is that, is that the schools are going to get overcrowded. Um, and that's not true. Um, if you look at the numbers of the school district in 04, 05, they were, you know, 800, 1,000 more students there than they do now. Um, all the schools really? have at least, okay. one, at least you know, a few of available classrooms that they could put more people in if they wanted to. 
The new high school they're building has plenty of room. I think they said that it, you know, if they move in, there'll be about 60% capacity. Um, and then you look at the people who are growing here. I mean, or the, I mean, look at the growth rate. It's only 80 to 100 new students uh, in the school year that come here. Um, is that, in the last so is couple that years. across the board then? Like in a, the district. In all groups? Yeah, yeah. Ages? I mean, no, it's, uh, kindergarten and first are getting hit really hard in the last couple of years. Uh, they've, they've had the biggest uh, growth area. But you project it out, it's going to take 10, 20, 15 years before you start kind of pushing the boundaries on that. And it's, it's just not really that big of a worry right now because, you know, five years from now, we could have another downturn. Mm-hmm. The people that are moving here, the, all the growth you see around here is typically not families. Okay. Families are a, are a minority of the people. It's a lot of the retirees coming out of the Seattle area. Um, the Amazon workers are offering to buy their house. You know, they're cashing in, making a ton of money. Um, they're buying uh, Seattle area homes. They're buying Everett area homes. So, like, the Everett Boeing workers that still work at Boeing decide to cash out, buy their dream house up here, and then they're close to retirement or, you know, near it or whatever. They're the ones that are coming here. Which is great. It's just a different demographic. It's not all families. Yeah. Well, and I was actually talking about this on another one of my podcasts. Um, but that it, yeah, that the a lot of the retirees that are coming, it is interesting though because they're they are they're retirees, but they're they're generations younger now, right? Yeah. So it's not the retirees that have been here forever. In fact, a lot of them have either moved on or um, or what have you, but. Um, it's it's a younger generation now, even though it's still retirees, yes. and they're still maybe even the same age, but it's different. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, and they're still out and about. They're still exploring. They're still having fun. They're enjoying the area. This is, I mean, this it's a really good community. I'll I'll use it back. To, I'll push back to the sports mentality here. Um, so like Meadowdale will come up here to play a football game, and the fans are always just stop and go like, wow, the the sense of community you get from walking in the stadium and seeing all the people is a lot different from the suburbia down there, you know, in the Mill Creek area or whatever. No one has, a, like, a really important tie to their community. And that's why a lot of people are moving here is the, that sense of community. And you get it. It's People are friendly. They You drive along the road, they'll move, you know, into the other lane so they don't hit you. Uh, you know, that's a very <laughs> nice thing. And, in, in, you know, in some of the, you know, more hardcore, you know, I got to get to where I'm going, suburbia areas, that, you know, it's just do or die. Yeah, right. Um, so this is this is kind of more for myself. Um, but since you've been doing reporting and, and all of this stuff for a while, I'm sure you've done interviews and things like that. Um, is there like some go-to questions or tips or um, that you have for interviews and that type of thing? Uh, yeah, I typically <clears throat> will re-ask the same question a couple of times. Um, or, you know, I do my research before going in, and then, I don't know, if you, do you ever watch Columbo growing up? Uh-uh. It's an old, it's, yeah, it's an old show. Okay. Uh, but, you know, he's famous for kind of playing dumb, um, and it's not, you know, you know, what you're after, and you kind of play dumb, and it's not to trick the person, it's just so that you don't lead them on, so that they can say it in their own words, what, what you kind of want to talk about. Like, 60 Minutes is awful for it, they'll lead you on, so they, they get you to say what like they want you to say. And I, I try and really kind of reverse it and try and like build a climate that you can kind of talk about what you want. And then I'll kind of just repeat some of the same questions to kind of like dial down to try and get the, the passion behind it, the kind mm-hmm. of the why. So it's like, if it's a business owner, you know, like why, you know, why did you open your shop here? And I'll tell you why. And you're like, no, like 
why here? Like you could have opened it in you know, Arlington, Mount Vernon. You know, like, like you chose here for a reason, and they'll tell you a reason, and you're like, but it, you know, it could have been very easy to find this place over here, and like, you kind of keep drilling down until you get them to say like, you know, I really love it here because of X, Y, or Z, not just you know, I saw the place and loved it. Mm-hmm. The end. Um, so, so that that type of thing, you gotta kind of find new ways to kind of ask that why question because the why is the interesting. Right. One, you know, trying to find the real true meaning behind why somebody decided to, you know, throw that pass or open that business or, you know, build that park in this spot. Yeah, no. And that's, you know, I've been trying to figure that out as I've been going through these and, and interviewing people is, is trying to figure that out, kind of find my rhythm on that. But also the hardest thing is the active listening side of it, mm-hmm. of like, you know, you, you kind of plan out, this is what I want to do for the interview. But then as you're going into the, as you're in the interview, you're actually like trying to figure out, oh, that's something. Let's talk about that. And Yes. And I mean, that happens a lot. And then sometimes it works its way into other stories. I mean, a lot of times I'm, I'm interviewing somebody and we'll go off on a tangent. I realize like, well, I've got another story to do. And we'll just kind of set that off to the side later and keep going what we're doing. But you never know where the, you know, these tangents will, or, you know, other things people say will lead you to. So it's good. Yeah. No, I've, um, yeah, I've, it's been, it's been fun. There's a lot, I have a lot to learn in, in interviewing and everything, but you know, we'll get there eventually. Yep. Um, all right. Well, I like to end the podcast with some rapid fire questions. Sure. Um, Cause the Camino voice is a big part of it is to create a place for locals and tourists to be able to hear a little bit about Camino, learn about it. Um, whether that's history or, um, you know, places to go and stuff like that. So anyways, I've, I have these questions. Um, we've kind of touched on this one already, but um, do you have like a secret location on Kameno that you like to hang out? Um, well, I, I like English Boom. I like up there at that park. Um, you got the Mount Baker right there. Uh, you got a lot of cool birds, a little bit, a little bit of sand, some hike. You know, it's a fun little spot, kind of secret. Nobody really knows about it. Yeah. Um, and then there's Ale Spike nearby that you can get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Ale, Ale Spike. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, okay, so pretend you have a friend coming into town to visit, uh, and they've never been here before. What would their first day here look like? Uh, well, it's me. So, I mean, I'm a big kayaker. We kayak off of our beach. Off the, we live in the Madrona Beach area. So I, I put them in the kayak, and I take them out there. If it's in the summer, you know, we've got a rowboat too. We'll drop crab pots. So it'll, it would be most likely be staying at the beach, staying on the water, kind of just relaxing out there. Nice. Yeah. Now I've got to, I've actually got to do that quite a bit more this summer. Um, both my brother-in-law and my dad have houses that are near enough to water. They have kayaks um, and it's been fun. It's, uh, as a kid, I was always freaked out to go into the sound because I'm like, I don't know what's down there. Ah. But in a boat, I feel a little safer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still don't go swimming in the sound. It's still, you know, yeah. I'm still imagining everything that's below well, me. We have, we have some great water here. I got, I, mean, I got two 17-foot sea kayaks, and we'll put in at Conway and go down the Skagit and then cross the Skagit Bay and come back to Camino. Or we'll bring up to Anacorta so you can go around uh, uh, Burroughs Island or Allen Island and kind of explore that whole area. And we were just up there last week and saw... Some porpoises came by and swam underneath us. You know, it's just, we live in a cool area. Got to get out there and explore. 
Yeah. No, I, I feel like this is the first year I've been like, oh, there's there's a lot to this. This is this is fun. And mm-hmm. you need to take it deeper. Mm-hmm. Although that, that sounds a little scary to me going that far out. <laughs> it's not it's not far. I mean from Anacoris you can put it in Washington Park and you just kinda hug the coastline and then the an island's not very the island's not very far away at all from the mainland. You okay. Kinda, you just cruise around. It's fun. It's in it's inland channel. You don't have a lot of open water. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. And then, um, who is the most interesting person or persons in this community that I should interview next? Ooh. Oh, there are a lot of very interesting people, uh, here on the Island, but I tell you, one of my, one of my most entertaining interviews uh, that I really enjoyed, um, was, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he's great. Um, uh, Andy Swanson, the Andy guy, Swanson. The, the guy, uh, he runs Cat's Paw Bees, and I did a story about how he's um, was sick and tired of buying bees, uh, like queen bees, you know, just to kind of start the season from people in California yeah. that always didn't do so well up here, and so he started making his own bees up here, and they're since they're used to this area, they're more equipped to handle our climate, and. Uh, He's successfully done it the last two years, and he's kind of off and running. So and it, he does it in a very sustainable, like, natural way. He's very passionate about it, but he took me out to some of his, uh, his uh, bee, um, you know, hives, homes there. And we, he had all the gear in the truck to, like, protect you. And he's like, ah, you won't need it. <laughs> and I'm like, are you okay? Are you sure? And, like, sure enough, you open it up, and, like, the bees are all over, like, all around you. But they're not on you, and they're not bothering you whatsoever. They're just like, hey, what's up? And it's a very surreal feeling. And, he, and you know, he's totally cool with it. And he does it upright. He's good people. And you see his honey around here. But, I mean, more importantly, he's been selling his queens, which is a big thing. Because then he gets to sell the queens, these extra ones. And then other people around here then don't have to buy them from California. And then they're more adapt to this area. And, he, I mean, he looks like Santa Claus. I know he's hard to miss. Uh, he's a very gregarious guy. Has had some great quotes. Um, <laughs> no, he, he's he's fun. He would be a fun character to interview. Yeah. Very passionate about what he what he does. No, for sure. No, I'll I'll definitely get in touch with him. Sounds like fun. All right, and then this question is is kind of a fun one. Uh, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino, so right as you're driving on, um, what would that say? Oh, what would it say? Somebody convert one of these buildings into a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the one thing that's really, really lacking right now somewhere on the island is a a spot for somebody to to stay kind of spontaneously. Yeah. Um, Because you can plan it. There's Airbnbs all over Mm -hmm. the place. But if you're going out here for a day and you explore, you shop at some of these shops and you're liking it and you go out to the beach and you walk around, but then it gets kind of late and you're like, well, let's just stay here. That's not an option. Essentially, we're just saying, that's awesome. Now, Get the heck off our island. <laughs> Thanks for coming. So it'd be cool. And then I always thought um, uh, Randy and Marla that just moved out of their Windermere office down in the country club area. Mm-hmm. And that cool old 1950s style uh, building that I thought could be renovated into a cool little you know, eight room hotel. Um, and I think, I, I think it would be full a lot of the time. But you yeah. know, I have no capital for it. So I would put up somebody buy this building and turn it into a hotel <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's a really neat building. It's it's mm-hmm. got a water view. It's, it's it does pretty it does. centralized still. 
Um, definitely was looking at that just to check it out. Like, man, this could be such a cool thing. Yeah, and you could put a restaurant there, but I, you know, restaurants the margins are always so thin anyway. It's kind of far away. It'd be it'd be a tough sell, but you know, such a high need, high demand for a place to stay. You could you could do it. Pretty sure you could do it. Yeah, no, that'd be neat. Um, well. You know, I, I would like to have you back on the podcast because one of the things that uh, even though you've only been here five years, you actually have had um, you've done a lot of research and stuff like that into kind of the history of Camino mm-hmm. and this area. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to get more people that talk about that as well. So I'd love to have you back on the podcast sometime in the future. Yeah. You know, you, you should you should time it right around after the election because I, I, I'm foreseeing that this election coming up here is going to be very interesting. I mean, we've got a lot of people running for city council. You got a lot of people running for school board, which is not historically the case in okay. our area. It's usually in a lot of uncontested races. Yeah. So it's, it kind of could shape and change the, the direction of our community here. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast yeah, today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. All right. And I'll talk to you Islanders later. Thank you to Evan Caldwell for joining us on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. It helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for any information on past episodes as well as this episode, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.